Welcome to our 10 o'clock Sunday morning broadcast here on our patio. And we are very thankful that you are joining us this morning. We want you to know that we love you, we care about you, and we want to pray for you and know what's going on in your life. And so if you want to connect with us on our social media channels or join us on our website and fill out the connection card, we're more than happy to connect with you and pray with you and um, help you with any needs that you have. Just let us know um, who you are and what, and what you need and, and we're more than happy to connect with you. Today I just want to send out some special thanks to all of those that were praying for me this week as I've been meeting with some uh, leaders of our communities, both in Tigard and in Sherwood, uh, about some of the um, issues that are going on within our communities. And so thank you for praying for me and thank you for um, being there for me and texting me and connecting with me on some of the conversations that I've had. The leaders have been very receptive to the conversations and are definitely moving forward and working together on a better future for our communities when it comes to racial reconciliation issues in our community. And so I'm very thankful for that and I'm thankful for your prayers. We're going to do a small introduction and so this is your time to grab your communion elements. If you have some bread and some wine or juice you can collect right now. We're gonna take communion at the end of my message and so go ahead and do that now. We do it each and every Sunday online together and so we want you to prepare for that. So during the week, if you could remember to uh, buy some of those things or we can get you some of those things during the week um, so you can take communion with us together. We light this candle each and every week to remind us that Jesus is with us, for us, and in us. And that is his promise that he is Emmanuel God with us. And even though we might be living in dark times, that we have darkness around us or we're experiencing darkness in our life, that the light of Christ shines brightly, that he is with us no matter what. And we are going through dark times and it is difficult sometimes to see light in the darkness, but Jesus promises us that and this is our reminder that Jesus is with us. We are a community that loves like Jesus. That is our mission statement. And we know that that love is strengthened and bolstered and expressed more deeply and more meaningful when we have these core values growing in our life. Daily devotion, prayer, <clears throat> freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and celebration. And so today we are continuing our study through the book of Philippians, and I decided to skip forward on another relational passage in Philippians, of Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. This is where we're going to cover the gospel, but we're also going to cover the posture of Christ in the crucifixion, and again, focusing on relationships this morning. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out to Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, <clears throat> any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the, of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this in mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who through he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, <clears throat> so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is the word of the Lord. So that passage, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that passage basically describes the gospel message, but also the posture of Christ. And the first question that I have for anyone who reads that passage basically is, the death and burial and resurrection of Christ is a very important event in all of human history, of course. It's an important event for God and it's an important event for us. And the book of Philippians points our attention to this passage and that gospel, that death, burial and resurrection needs to affect our life. And so the first question that I have is how does it affect our life or does it affect our life rather? So does the death, burial, and resurrection affect who we are and our relationships with one another? So the filter that Paul uses here is in your relationships with one another, have this same mindset of Christ. So we have to learn the mindset of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? How did he act and what, was, what were his thoughts in his actions? And I would say that in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So to the world, this message is foolish, to us, it's power. And again, the question is, does that power affect your life? Does it change you? Does it motivate you to be different? Does it motivate your words to be more loving and caring? And one of the things that I thought about in some of the meetings that I had this week with different people is no matter what, love needs to prevail. No matter what, love needs to be our filter. Love needs to be our motivation. Love needs to be our value. Love needs to be at the center of everything that we're saying and everything that we're doing. Nothing else really can change any form of hate, disruption, disunity besides love. Unity comes with love, and hate is driven out only really by love. And so if you think about just the value of love and why Christ did what he did, what God did in that act of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, does that motivate you to love more? Does it motivate you to love in a more pure way? Does it motivate you to just love those that you wouldn't necessarily have shown love before Maybe they are just different or act different than you or speak different or have a different lifestyle than you do. Are you willing to love even those that are different? So if you think about the death, burial, and resurrection, crucifixion 
was literally the most horrific execution practice um, even known today. And Jesus was arrested. He was illegally tried. He was sentenced to death by crucifixion. He didn't deserve that. He was innocent. He didn't uh, do anything wrong. And basically at the point of crucifixion and death of Jesus, even though he was hanging on this cross and didn't do anything wrong, he shows love. Even in his afflicted persecution that he didn't deserve, he showed love and he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And so that six hours of excruciating pain, Jesus died and he still showed love. And that's not the end of the story, of course. We have the resurrection and the ascension and the promise that Jesus will return. But just think about that moment of Jesus's death where how would we respond? How do we respond when just somebody makes fun of us or gossips behind our back or is chiding or snide um, towards us or maybe betrays us or says something that is not true about us? How do we respond just in those small actions? When Jesus is illegally tried and accused and falsely accused and he still shows love, can we still show love even in the midst of our smaller disruptions in our life. So some religious groups really focus on the cross. The cross shows definitely the heavy heaviness of humanity and God and, and the focus of Philippians 9 um, kind of motivates us a little bit different than, than we're not so focused on just the death. Philippians, excuse me, not Philippians 9, Romans 9, we're pulled into the resurrection. We're pulled into the resurrection uh, as the hope of Jesus with us and alive. So we're not necessarily just focused on the death. We're focused on the death and the resurrection. So does the story of Christ, does this gospel message of Christ change us and affect us in a way that motivates us to be more like Jesus. So when people do bad things or when, again, when people speak out against others or us or maybe somebody does something that you just disagree with, uh, are you willing to have a conversation? Are you willing to enter into um, a, a communication and, and connection that speaks love more than just accentuating a disagreement or accentuating the act that somebody that is doing something that you disagree with, because we're all gonna do things that we disagree with. We're all gonna do things that maybe we really disagree with or we really are against. And some people do, <clears throat> do really adverse weird things in their life that I have no control over. Uh, it's their choices, it's their doing. Through the death, burial and resurrection of Christ, can I see that person as a human versus an object? When they wrong me, are they an object or a human? They're always a human, according to God, and all humans we are to love. And so if we can use that filter that the resurrection, this life-giving Jesus gives us the life of love that we need to live. And so when you're disappointed by people's behavior, when you're hurt by somebody, somebody says hurtful things, 
Somebody doesn't meet your expectations. Do you hate on them? Do you downplay them? Do you um, diss them? Do you gossip about them? Or does the death, burial, and resurrection, does it, does it motivate you towards faith to still speak highly of them when people speak poorly of you or say hurtful things? Do you just say hurtful things back? Do you just gossip back? Do you use your five friends as your sounding board to just talk trash about them? Or do you edify them? Do you lift them up? Obviously, when people hurt people, they're hurt. So hurt people hurt people. So when somebody is out hurting others, it's obvious that they're hurt and sometimes very deeply hurt because they're lashing out at other people. Do we turn to the resurrection? Do we turn to the gospel? Do we turn to the death, burial, and resurrection and say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do either. So does it motivate us to fry somebody at the stake, basically, or to free them with the love of God, of edification and good nature and good words? So what does the death and burial and resurrection of Christ motivate you to be like? That's just the question that I have this morning. And, and I hope that it motivates us and to err on the side of love, that we would always err on that side of goodness and the fruit of the spirit. And ultimately love would be the center of our actions, our emotions and our words. Philippians 2 says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue, the work, continue to work out your salvation, Philippians says. So for me, working out my salvation means being more like Christ. To me, working out my salvation doesn't mean some ladder that I'm trying to climb to heaven that if I do good works, then I'm in good graces with God. That's not what that means. It means that I'm fleshing out what the flesh of Christ meant. I'm fleshing out what the love of Christ as he walked this earth and as he did what he did in the miracles and the love that he showed. Am I loving in the same way? Am I reaching into the marginalized? Am I going into the margins and loving people and the ones that are othered by others? Am I entering into those spaces or am I sitting there just with my five group of people and complaining and and just chewing on others and I just love those five people because we all think the same we all have the same attitudes we all hate the same people or the kind of people we all join in on the gossip train and that's just fun it, it feeds something in our in our in our dark side of our soul and sometimes I guess just chewing on others makes us feel a little bit, little bit better about the lowness of, our, of ourselves. Or am I motivated to work out the love of God in my life? That when I feel hate, I work out love in my life. When I feel weak, I work out the strength in my life. When you weight train and you work out, you lift heavier weight than you are able to lift uh, easily. And so when, if you wanna build muscle, you have to lift heavier weight in order to build the muscle. And, so some, and that tears your muscle. 
that sometimes makes you sore. And so to me, working out my salvation means that I am loving heavier than I'm normally loving. I'm digging out love more in my life for others that I wouldn't dig out normally. And so that's going to build muscle. That's going to build the strength of the love that I need to express into those that I wouldn't normally love. I have experienced that, folks, right now in my life, trying to love and to care and to step into realms that I would never normally step in. And you've probably seen your pastor and you're like, what is your pastor doing? And I'm like, God, I'm just taking this one step at a time, one day at a time, one conversation at a time, one word at a time, making sure that I am loving and caring for and meeting with and, and showing and pointing to the right direction that, that Christ has shown in love to, to point to. And so that takes work. That is exhausting. And sometimes it has very little result, very little result, maybe not even in my lifetime. And I think about the seeds that are planted that grow and only God is really going to grow it. And I think that he can take a painful conversation, a painful moment, and he can, and we can work out that salvation in that painful moment and learn to love in that pain even greater than before. I think about the friends that I've had that have just walked away from me, um, that just run away. And the painful conversations that I've had with friends, some of them have hurt really bad. And you know that, that old adage where people say things like, well, we don't want this to create a wedge between us. We don't want to you know, cause a rift between us. You know, we can agree to disagree and we supposedly move on, and, and I'm kind of gullible, I believe, when people say that to me. Um, we can agree to disagree, or we can just, you know, move on. Um, sometimes they even tell me that they're not going anywhere, and then all of a sudden I just turn to them, and they're not there, and turn to look and see where they're at, and they're just not around anymore. I've had friends just completely ghost me in my life, and I, and I wonder... I wonder sometimes what's going on in their minds. Like, okay, do you, do you believe that this is pleasing to God? Um, do you believe that just walking away from a difficult moment or a difficult conversation or a difficult season where you just abandon, recklessly abandon and walk away, that's not the love of God. And so I'm not gullible in my 47-year-oldness anymore. And human beings are human beings. And the nature of human nature many times is to run away, to get away from pain, to run from difficult situations. And I'm not going to say that I just love difficult situations and embrace and want to hug it out. I'm not necessarily like that, um, but I'm willing to fight it out. I'm willing to get into arguments and sit there and grind and grind and grind. Just like I'm, I'm willing to, to work it out. Um, because I think that people are important. I believe that I'm important. I believe you're important to God. I believe all of us are important to God. <clears throat> and, it, and it's important for us to work out the things in our life, to learn to love 
more. So I need to understand something when I'm entering into these difficult conversations and relationships and learning to work out love in, in life. I need to understand something about the gospel message and I need to understand something about Philippians 2. Uh, Philippians 2, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus shows me something great about myself. And what that shows me is I'm no better than anybody else. That's what it shows me. In Philippians 2, it's like the great leveler that, that Jesus died for me and he died for you and he died for the whole world. And so I'm not, I'm not gonna walk around thinking that I'm better than you or, or you're better than anybody else either. It's like this level playing field that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We might have moments of goodness and betterness. Um, we might be successful in this or that, but the truth and the reality is, is, is human beings are created equal and we're seen as equal in the eyes of God, even our falling short. And so it shows, this, this event shows the seriousness of our sin it shows the seriousness of our fallen human nature. It's, it's, like, it's like we're standing before God at the, at the cross and we are naked in an ice storm. That's how transparent this is. Uh, it shows the seriousness. It shows the ice coldness. It shows the hurt. It shows the pain of our, of our sin. It hurts. And so we cannot deny that we are capable of hurting others or doing damage to others or even taking from others. We can't deny that we are capable of such things. And so when you're in a restaurant and you're trying to look at a menu in a dark, in a dark restaurant and you can't read, the, the, the gospel kind of turns the lights on so you can read the menu of your life. And some things on that menu are not as tasty as others. Some things on that menu are not as good as, and you don't like them as, as good as others. And so when I think about the death, burial, and resurrection, it just reveals things in my life. It reveals my lack of love. It reveals my, my jealousy. It reveals my, my disruption. It reveals how I'm not like Christ. And we can't just think about the death, burial, and resurrection as an event. We need to think about it as an ongoing, a growing, um, discipling, becoming more like Christ event all through our lives. What's really hard in our um, culture today is the idea of sin doesn't seem bad, as bad anymore. We glorify it, we make fun of it. Um, we say things to downplay it. It's not as bad. We can't forget that our behavior affects other people and our behavior, no matter what, affects the closest people around us, really. And so sin is not just an individual. Yes, it is an individual issue, but also it becomes a community issue where our sin affects others. It either isolates us or it causes us to harm other, other people. And so Romans 6 says, the wages of this sin is death. The wages of this sin is not only separation from God, 
But since it is a community issue, since our sin affects other people, it is separation from others. It creates distance between people. It creates, um, it creates isolation from other people. So, so sin is not a glamorous thing, yet in order to deal with it a lot of times, we glamorize it. We downplay it. And so the truth is the death and resurrection it exposes our sin. It exposes our falling short. It exposes the nature that the nature of human nature. Like I say, it's it's uh, it 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 reveals the flesh, as Paul would say. It reveals those that uh, those things in your life that are just fallen short of the glory of of God. So the death and resurrection then. It shows me that those things in my life, those, those falling shorts, those missing the marks, those sinful things in my life, uh, those are not only taken seriously by God, but it demonstrates that those sins are not taken lightly. There was, there's consequences to those. And, and ultimately we see Jesus on the cross is paying the price, that ultimate price to break those chains and to create freedom from the shame and the guilt and the, the prison of our, of our sin. So we need to remember that sin is a wound in the heart of God, but also sin is, an, is, the, is the wound in the heart of humankind as well. It hurts, it separates, it damages, it isolates, it disbands. It, it does a lot in in relationships, it damages relationships. And some of the most beautiful relationships that I've seen is when somebody admits their wrongdoing, they reconcile, they forgive, they have, they have a connection and a unity again, and the relationship is restored. And I believe that that's some of the greatest miracles that we can see here on earth. I know that Jesus performed like amazing miracles and the apostles performed like just, you know, here, here's somebody that now can see and here's somebody that now can walk. You know, they couldn't walk before. And that's like, wow, that is like majorly cool. But I think that today and right now in my life, the greatest miracles that I've seen in my life are restored relationships and when people are separate and they can come together again. And so that not only, um, not only takes transparency and that not only takes forgiveness and that not only, only takes the try, it takes the want and the desire to restore relationships. But in that try and in that desire, it takes grace. We need to learn the value of grace. And that's the second thing that I learn in this Philippians 2 passage is the grace of God. How the grace of God is, is the free gift of God. It's the, it's the action forward that God took that I know that you have fallen short of my glory. I know that you have sinned. I know that you have missed the mark in your life. I know that there are sirens going on all around me right now. This is just the way it is here outside at Resonate. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Something's going on, so we need to pray that, uh, that something serious is not going on here in our, our community. So it shows me, where was I? Uh, yes, so, so if, if something is, is a wrongdoing happens or we miss the mark or something happens, 
The grace of God is the initiation of love towards you. And that's something that somebody, uh, some people don't get sometimes. Grace is not just, you know, you know, God throwing you a bone. No, the grace of God is God walking towards you to hand you the love. The grace of God is God initiating towards you to hand you the forgiveness. The grace of God is God's movement towards you in your life. And if we could use that as an example of how we are to be to others. When somebody hurts us, when somebody damages us, when somebody sins against us, our response is to just say, forget it, screw it, I'm out, right? And we walk away. We walk away from the person. The grace of God teaches us that we're to walk toward the person. And in that, we'll find a lot of peace. In that, we'll find the idea of peacemakers. The peacemaker mentality is I will initiate, I will work it out, and we're going to go through this together, and we're going to get on the other side, and we're going to learn to love each other more greatly. We're not going to sweep it under the rug. We're not going to pretend like it's not there. We're going to head right into it, right into the storm. We're going to feel the rain and the wind, and we're going to hear the thunder, and we're going to see the lightning right next to us. We're right in the midst of that storm, but we're going to get to the other side of that storm. We're going to work through it together, and we're, the sun is going to shine on our face again. And so when you, when you think about grace, it takes humility, it takes humility. You have to lay down your crap in order to walk across that bridge of grace. You need, to, you need to lay down your baggage. You need to lay down the pride. We need to lay down. I need to lay down my rightness. You know, God never told us that we had to be right. And that rightness was our value and our mission statement. He told us that love was our mission statement. So is, is it better to be right or kind? Always err on the side of kind. But in order to be kind and to love and to care and to show people um, grace, we need to lay down our rightness. We need to lay down our truth-telling. We need to lay down our our. our uh, our baggage that we hold that, you know, you have done this my whole life and you have caused this my whole life. Um, we just need to walk into uh, somebody's life that has wronged us with a lot of humility and a lot of obedience. And the obedience is that we go and we talk and we move towards the other person and we show love even if we don't want to even if it hurts, even if it's the thoughts and the feelings tell me to run the other way. And when I think about humility, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each one of you not look to your own interests, but also the interest of others. We need to lay down our interests and also obedience and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so being like Jesus, even though we have fallen short of the glory of God and others have fallen short uh, of our standards as well, that people will disappoint us, they'll hurt us, they'll say things to us, they'll gossip about us. What do we do? 
Does the death, burial, and resurrection motivate us to go to our five and just chew, chew, chew? Or does the death, burial, and resurrection motivate us towards identifying I could be like that too? I could hurt you just like you have hurt me. I can hurt others just like you have harmed, harm others just like you have harmed me. And when we have that kind of humility, grace then can abound. Grace then can enter into the equation. We walk across that bridge in obedience even when we don't want to, even when it hurts. And we give grace to the other person. We forgive and we love again. And the relationship is restored. The relationship is reconciled. And God gets the glory of that. And the miracle in life happens at that moment. Let's take communion in light of that. When I think about Jesus on the cross and the resurrection, right before that, he says, do this in remembrance of me. He had grace. He had humility and obedience. And he went to the cross and he shared love with the world through uh, the death and the resurrection of his life. Let's take communion together. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the grace through the cross that we see that is given to the world. Thank you for that kind of love that we've seen in, that we see in humility, we see in obedience. Help us to be the same. Help us to love those that are even considered our enemies, that we would walk towards even those that have hurt us greatly, to show love, to show grace, to show kindness, to show humility, and to show obedience so relationships can be reconciled. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.